Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. that in case anybody starts to get just using Revelation 8 chapter number 13 as a springboard here this evening amen verse number 13 Revelations 8 13 then the Bible states these words and I beheld and heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven saying with a loud voice woe 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 to the inhabitants of the earth by reason of the other voices of the trumpet of the three angels which are yet to sound. We've already studied the first through fourth trumpets. Now we're going to study tonight. My title very simply is the fifth and the, the fifth and sixth trumpets here this evening. This will be part 8A, so you know what that means. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I come to you tonight. I'm asking, oh God, that you would help us enlighten us, Lord, our understanding. We appreciate you, Lord Jesus. I pray, Lord, God, help us, Lord, to dig something from your word this evening. God, that could help somebody, that could help us, Lord, in our lives, in our experience with you. And we'll give you the honor and the glory for it. In Jesus' name that I pray, amen and amen. Everybody say amen. Amen. You may be seated. Just, just as a little refresher, and we're not going way back, but if you will remember whenever the seventh seal was open, along with the seventh seal came the birthing of the seven angels that came forth with seven trumpets. And they made preparations then for the sounding of those seven trumpets. And until now, here Revelation 9, until now, John has witnessed the sounding of four trumpets. And now in chapter number 9, he will witness the other two, two more, if you will, two more trumpets. The last three trumpets from the very last verse of chapter 8, we understand an angel comes flying uh, through the air declaring woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because of the voices of the last three angels or the sounding of the last three trumpets. In other words, the three woes that were spoken correspond to the last three trumpets. In essence, what the angel was declaring was that if you thought that the first four trumpets were intense, then the next three are going to be even worse than what the first four uh, was were and, and when we look and consider the first trumpet just as a refresher the first trumpet you will remember affected by and large the earth uh, all of the green grass you will remember the trees were affected by the first trumpet the second trumpet what was affected was the sea and the creatures that were in the sea many died and also a third of the ships of the sea likewise the third trumpet affected the fresh water remember the star which is called wormwood came down and hit the rivers and the fountains of water and so the fresh water was impacted and as a result of that uh, mankind fresh water being his water source that he partakes of was affected as well the bible says many men many men will die in the fourth trumpet uh, the lights of the heavens were affected 
the sun and the moon and the stars, a third of the sun, a third of the moon and a third of the stars. It's almost as though uh, the day was darkened for a third part and even the night as well. And so the three woes now are upon us, or the last three trumpets. And the angel plainly declares in the last verse of Revelation 8, it says, Woe unto the inhabitants of the earth. Because up until this time of the trumpets, of the judgment of the trumpets, up until this time, the inhabitants of the earth have just been indirectly affected by what's been taking place. It affects the earth, it affects the sea, it affects the fresh water, it affects the heavens, and indirectly that affects the inhabitants of the earth. Of course, the whole uh, ecological system is, is in awry and that's going to affect them. Their water supply is being damaged. Uh, uh, the ships and the transporting and the cargo and import-export, all of that is affected. Food, no doubt, is largely affected, but it's all a indirect cause and effect they're indirectly affected by things going on but the angel is trying to get us to a mindset where all the first four trumpets had an indirect effect upon the inhabitants of the earth we're going to find that the last three woes or the last three trumpets are going to have a direct effect up on mankind it's now not just going to touch them through their land or through their sea or through their water it's going to affect them directly and so with that i'd like to read verses one and two of revelation number nine and i'll kind of go through this a little bit today read section of verses and do some uh, expounding if you will the bible says and the fifth angel sounded and i saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit and he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit as the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. So the fifth angel sounded, and he saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth. Now, this isn't anything unusual to us. We have already through different judgments, whether they be the seals or whether it already be the trumpets, we have already seen stars falling from heaven. That is not anything unusual. We have studied about the stars that would fall from heaven in the sixth seal. The Bible says they would fall and it would be likened to a fig tree that's casting its figs in an untimely season. We, we saw that star named Wormwood that fell and affected the fresh uh, water of mankind and in each of these episodes we understood these stars because we understand according to science some stars are bigger than the earth and so if it was a star that big it would totally annihilate the earth from the go but evidently that's not the case because the earth's still there people still living on it and so we suspect that these stars are no doubt to a certain degree uh, maybe asteroids or comets even whenever it speaks of the star wormwood and it speaks of it being as a lamp or a torch that was common language for the ancients uh, speaking of asteroids or meteors that came to the earth but upon reading then another falling star we're, we're really not taken back because we've seen this before and we may upon first reading this suspect the same type of thing has taken place this is just another meteor this is just a, a another asteroid that's coming to the earth until we realize that the star is personified in these two verses it's referred to with personal pronouns the bible says that this star that fell from heaven 
to the earth in some way it must represent someone because it's unlike the other stars we have seen up to this point of time a star fall from heaven and to the earth and the Bible says and to him was given a key and then it says he opened the actual language in scripture in the New Testament Greek is I saw a star fallen from heaven in other words the fallen in the original Greek as though it was an event or a happening that had took place prior to this moment that John is speaking of. It's something that already taken place in the past, this star that is fallen. And so if it is a he or a him, this star, then the question that begs answering that's in our minds is this. If this star is someone, then who is it? Who is this star that comes from heaven to the earth. Well, one of the options that we may have, and I'm throwing out several options tonight, all right, because this is still stuff that's ahead of us. If anybody that, uh, you know my spill, if anybody from this place, if things still ahead of them and say this is exactly what it is, you better watch their words carefully because these are things that are still yet to unfold, all right? But one of the options may be, perhaps the star may be one of the fallen angels of the third of angels that were drawn away in Lucifer's fall. The Bible says in Revelations 12, 4, fast forwarding, we'll get there eventually, but the Bible says in his tale, uh, to understand the context that this is set in, the his is referring to a dragon in Revelations 12, all right? And as a matter of fact, verse number 9 of Revelations 12 even gives us a little further uh, uh, information and details about this dragon. It calls the great dragon that old serpent called the devil and Satan, all right, so we understand what we're dealing with. His tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. Now, if you look at verse number 9, again, it helps interpret a little bit verse 4. And I don't have verse 9 up there, but it helps interpret verse 4 of Revelations 12 because whenever it speaks of the fall of Lucifer, it then says that it interprets these stars that the angels were cast down as well. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. So it speaks of this, the devil that drew a third part of the stars of heaven. Verse 9 clarifies the angels of heaven uh, with his tail that were cast down to the earth as well. So perhaps this person that has fell, or this being we'll call it, that fell from the sky, seen as a star, yet given, given personal pronouns like him and he, perhaps it is one of the fallen angels. For that matter, uh, whenever God, back in the book of Job, which the book of Job, is one of the earliest writings of scripture by and large overall uh, more than likely the first book of the Bible written was the book of Job it dates way way long ago but whenever God is speaking to Job he's speaking to him in his trouble and he's speaking to him out of the whirlwind he begins to talk with Job and really kind of reprimand Job a little bit he begins to ask Job some questions and some of the questions he asks him is all about creation and he begins to ask Job where were you when Whenever I laid the foundations of the earth. You know, how are you supposed to answer that, you know? He's kind of really reprimanding Job. He says, whereupon are the foundations of the earth fashioned? You know, pray tell me if you can where they're fashioned. And so following with these questions about creation comes verse number 7 of Job 38. He says, and when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for 
joy. Most agree, and I am in company with them based upon other verses of Scripture, that the morning stars that he is speaking of, he's talking about creation. He's talking about the beginning. The morning stars that he is speaking of, I believe he is speaking of angels here. Amen. Angels here. And we also lean toward that, especially since we understand in Scripture that Lucifer, prior to his fall, was referred to as son of the morning. Amen. Isaiah 14 and verse 12 speaks of him. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? And so on one hand, maybe an option is it's one of the angels that fell with Lucifer, but that supplies maybe another option. Maybe this is Lucifer himself. Maybe this one that comes down that as a star fallen as the original Greek says is Lucifer himself that come, that come down because that was an event that took place in the past whenever he ascended to be like the most high God and desired that but was cast out of heaven with the angels and Christ even confirmed in the gospels whenever he spoke to the disciples he said I even beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven he said. And so maybe this is the one. Maybe, maybe this is the one that is given the key to open the bottomless pit. Maybe it is Satan. And it's important to note that this key had to be given who, whoever it was that opened the bottomless pit. If you have a key, you have a sense of authority, you have access, all right? Whoever this is, they didn't have that authority and access on their own. But it had, this was a key and an authority and access that had to be given to them to open the bottomless pit. Uh, with that in mind, whenever we remember Christ in Calvary, everything took place there and he went to the lower parts of the earth and he came back with the keys of death and hell, more particularly Hades. And we'll look at it a little later that maybe, the, just maybe, the bottomless pit is a portion or a section of Hades as we know it. But nevertheless, if that's so, then the devil wouldn't have the key to his own dwelling place of those of his abode, all right? And so there would have to be a key that's given to him. Pastor Rainward, Raymond Woodward says it like this. Uh, speaking of this, he's a pretty uh, confident, feels confident about this being Satan. He said Satan has to be given the key to loose his own army from the bottomless pit. But what is this bottomless pit we're speaking of? We see this terminology more than just here in Scripture. It's spoken of over and over again, the bottomless pit. It means, very plainly, pit of the abyss. The word abyss means without depth. Well, it makes a lot of sense. A pit without depth is bottomless. And so you have the bottomless pit or the pit of the abyss. Now, I will qualify and verify what some say, but they believe this is a place of detention for the wicked angels or even the demon world. All right? Now we speak of the bottomless pit. It may be contained in Hades or hell, as it were, but it is somewhat different than that and different also from the lake of fire. And There's a lot of words that are used for all these things that we could get into, but we're not tonight. The reason why that some believe, and I, I, I endorse this because of the word of God, that it could be a place of a detention of demons or evil spirits or even fallen angels, is that if you will remember whenever Jesus landed on the island or the country of Gadara, 
And the man that was possessed with the devils came to him. And he said, what's your name? He said, our name is Legion because we are many. If you'll remember, whenever Christ went to cast out those evil spirits, amen, those evil spirits asked the Lord, pleaded with the Lord, begged with the Lord, that they would not be cast into the deep. The Bible says in Luke 8, verse 30, And Jesus asked him, saying, What is thy name? And he said, Legion, because many devils were entered into him, and they, the devils, besought him, Jesus, that he would not command them to go out into the deep. The word deep in the Greek is abyss, or if you will, bottomless pit. So, if the Lord, if this was a common practice, even the devils knew, if you're not here, you're there. The bottomless pit. Jesus, don't send us to the bottomless pit because we know that's where all our other brethren are. All right? Amen. So, could it be then that this is the case? The bottomless pit is that which detains demons or evil spirits or even fallen angels. And I, I'm, going to, I'm just kind of putting some things out here. You just got to get your thinking gears going. Could these things that we will read of in verse number 3, these things that we read of as being locusts in verse number 3, could, because they have quite a description throughout chapter number 9, could it be that these are demonic spirits or even fallen angels that John are describing? Just further consideration, 2 Peter 2 and verse number 4, speaking of that time, uh, speaking of, uh, of what uh, the Lord did unto the angels that sinned, the Bible says, for if God spared not the angels that sinned, all right, he didn't spare them. He did something about them. But cast them down to hell, which is Tartaru in the Greek, which doesn't mean anything to you, but it means the deepest abyss or the deepest bottomless pit and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. And so he says, if the angels that sinned, if he put into an abyss or a bottomless pit, if he did that and delivered them into bondage, and delivered them into change to be reserved unto judgment. So the angels that sinned were cast into the deepest abyss or that place without depth, the bottomless pit, a place where there were chains of darkness for them that they would be reserved unto judgment. Interesting phrase, reserved unto judgment. And so I question us tonight that reserved unto judgment, what does that mean? That these angels that sin are reserved then until their day of judgment or are they reserved until God allows them out to be used as a tool of judgment upon those that remain upon the earth? Jude 6 speaks similarly along these lines. When I say 6, there's only one chapter in Jude, so I just... Someone's going to be looking all night the rest of the night. Where is Jude 6? He said Jude 6. <laughs> Jude chapter 1, verse 6. Amen. You do that to some of your friends sometimes. You see how they get off with it. Amen. And the angels, which kept not their first estate, that would be speaking of these that were a third that were drawn away in the heavenlies, but left their own habitation. He hath reserved, here we go again, in everlasting chains under darkness, unto the judgment of the great day. Again, are we speaking about the angel's judgment or are we speaking about God being able to release them from the bottomless pit and use them as tools of judgment? 
upon the people that remain. Whenever Christ went down to the lower parts of the earth, we know whenever uh, that flesh was notably dead that he was still active. Amen? God's spirit was still active. 1 Peter 3, verses 18 through 19, the Bible states these words, For Christ also hath, suffered, hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh. That goes back to our Sunday morning. He was dead in the flesh, but quickened in the spirit. Don't get me back on that, because that was, that was some good stuff on Sunday, uh, what was happening around here. But nevertheless, but quickened by the Spirit, verse 19, look now, by which also he went, speaking of Christ, and preached unto the spirits in prison. I'm just saying, folks. Could it be the part of the thing of, of Christ whenever he went down to the lower parts of the earth? We understand he got the keys, but he may have also done some preaching, as it were, if you will, to some fallen angels and some demonic spirits that were held captive in a bottomless pit. Amen. Now, we may not know for sure who opens the bottomless pit whether it's a fallen angel, whether it's Lucifer, the fallen angel. But I do know, according to Revelations 20 in the first three verses, that there will be an angel come down from heaven at that period of time with a key to the bottomless pit and a great chain, the Bible says. And that angel will bind the devil for 1,000 years and cast him into the bottomless pit. And so with that, I just throw out for a possibility again, maybe the same angel that binds Satan later is the one who the Lord, we said a star fallen from heaven could be the same way as it was sent from heaven. Maybe the same angel that locks Satan up then is the one that unlocks the bottomless pit now. Nevertheless, we kind of give a few options there for your consideration, personal study, and you can go to sleep night and have nightmares about <laughs> All right. The Bible says whenever the bottomless pit was open, there was smoke that came out of it. It darkened the sun and the air that came from out of the pit. It's not the first time we've seen the sun darken. It's not the first time we've seen this occur. At different times, the sun has been darker to some degree. So what we must, uh, what we must follow just as a deducement, either the sun for those points of time were just darkened momentarily or the sun keeps getting darker to a greater degree with each other occurrence. All right? Revelation chapter 9, verse number 3. Everybody doing okay? Say, I'm okay. All right. Revelation chapter 9 and verse number 3. And there came out of the smoke, the smoke that's coming up from the bottomless pit, coming out of the smoke, locusts upon the earth. And to them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. Now, I'm not going to read verses 7 through 11, but I'm going to kind of list some of the characteristics and likenesses of these locusts. These folks are not your everyday locusts. These are not your everyday locusts. For one, they had the power of a scorpion. All right? And uh, another matter, it seems like these locusts never, don't even fit in a category of man or beast. It's, they are peculiar in themselves. But if you look at the characteristics of them, verses 7 through 11, and I'm, I'm not reading these, these verses, I'm just going to pinpoint the characteristics and the likenesses. Listen to this. Listen to this whew, grotesque locust. The Bible says its shapes were like 
like, these words are important, like, as it were, as, you know, it's making a, uh, some type of analogy or similarity. Shapes like horses prepared for battle. Heads, as it were, had crowns like gold. Faces as the faces of men. Hair as women. And can I just do a, just a side note here real quick? If there was some distinction between the male and female species concerning hair, why would John use the terminology that the locusts had hair as women if there isn't no distinguishing? All right, now let's go on. Teeth as lions, breastplates as it were of iron. Their wings sounded as many horses drawn, many horse-drawn chariots running to battle. They had tails like scorpions. And there were stings in their tails, the Bible says. Now, folks, this is not your everyday locust. I don't know when's the last time you've seen a locust, but this is not your everyday locust. Now, now some scientists, I'll bear you this, scientists say that locusts resemble horses when they're viewed under a magnifying glass. I'll tell you right now, I've never looked at a locust under a magnifying glass or a microscope. I can't verify nor nullify what was just said. But that's what some of them said. I do know that there was a plague in the Old Testament with Egypt of locusts a swarm of locusts that took place on the land against Pharaoh and the Egyptians in Exodus chapter number 10. I do know those locusts of the Old Testament, according to verse 15 of Exodus 10, ate every herb of the, of the, the earth and all of the, the fruit of the trees. And as a matter of fact, even today, over in like the Middle East, there have been accounts of swarms of locusts that have come and fell upon lands in the Middle East. And it, they did, in fact, devour all the vegetation that was there, rendered their crops totally fruitless for that year. Everything was gone, totally devoured the vegetation. In Exodus 10, 14, the Old Testament locust plague that came upon the Egyptians, the Bible said, and the locusts went up over all the land of Egypt, and rested in all the coast of Egypt. Very grievous were they. Before them, there were no such locusts as they, neither after them shall be, shall be such. And so there was something evidently peculiar about the locusts that tormented the Egyptians. And might I say there's something peculiar about the locusts, amen, and unique about the locusts that will come in the last days uh, later here, right here in the book of Revelation as well. According to verse number four, look at this now. According to verse number four, these things called locusts with varied descriptions, they were commanded not to hurt the grass or green things or trees. Now, a natural locust, that's what they do. They eat up the vegetation, the green things, the grass, but these locusts are commanded not to do that. The only command they had was, do you, you, they are to hurt mankind. Amen. The mankind that are without the seal of God. Now, we go back to Revelation 7 and understand those who had the seal of God were the 12,000 from each tribe of the Jews, the 144,000 that were sealed. Remember, that's for their protection. You remember that? He said you can hurt all of mankind, amen, that do not have the seal of God upon them or in their foreheads. So, again, there's a lot of questions that we ask ourselves as we go through this. Who or what are these abnormal Locusts. Well, for one, again, options. 
perhaps they're truly locusts that have been created for this time and this purpose. That's not beyond God. I, I figure he's God and he can do whatever he wants to do. Maybe there's something that actually have the face of a man and hair of a woman and all these descriptions. I wouldn't want to see it by no means. Amen. But again, also consider this. Perhaps John is describing them the best way that he knows to describe them with the best associations that he has in his mind to describe them with the best vocabulary and the other things that he can compare to what he is seeing. But consider this tonight. Since they come, let's remember where they came from. They come from the bottomless pit from the smoke that rises from the bottomless pit. Maybe this thing that John calls locusts gives all these various descriptions, different likenesses. In my mind, it produces something very grotesque and mutilated image in my mind. Maybe perhaps these are fallen angels. Maybe perhaps these are demonic spirits that manifest themselves in a way that that's the best that John could, had vocabulary to describe what he was seeing right there, issuing forth from the bottomless pit. For one, their focus isn't on vegetation, as a locust naturally would focus upon, but mankind. And not just mankind, but mankind without the seal of God. There's some type of intellect involved here to be able to decipher this has the seal of God. This don't have the seal of God. Someone understand what I'm saying right now? What's sealed and what's unsealed. And may I say, we understood the seal of God to be the name of Christ or Jesus, but let me ask you this. Is that seal that was something that can be seen or is it unseen? Listen to me. Is it seen or unseen? Because this I know from the Gospels. Demonic powers in the Gospels knew Jesus as the Son of God when normal men even didn't know. Many times he stilled the spirits, unclean spirits, because they knew who he was. He shut their mouths because the timing of that revelation wasn't supposed to be taking place right now. But the enemy knew who the Almighty was. For that matter, listen to me, for that matter, Whenever those seven sons of Sceva tightened their belt and thought, we'll take care of this devil stuff. And they began to deal with the devil. Said, we adjure you in Jesus' name by whom Paul preacheth. The Bible says the evil spirit came out of that man, tore up those old boys like there's no business. And his words were this, Jesus I know and Paul I know. One who had been sealed by the spirit of promise, they knew. But who are you? It's quite possible that demonic spirits will know who's sealed or unsealed, whether it's visible or invisible, because even in the Gospels, they knew who was his, who were sealed with the earnest of their expectation before it even came about. If I may quote from just say. Uh, Someone here this evening, John MacArthur, he just stated this. He said, interestingly, he said, the psychological response to a scorpion sting, which these locusts have a stinger in their tail, the power of a scorpion, is similar to that which has been observed in many cases of demon possession. This is interesting from a denominational character. 
They say, and I looked this up, that when someone is stung by a scorpion and gets the full blast of their poison, they will row on the ground in agony, foam at the mouth, and grind their teeth in pain. Let me tell you, I've been in church long enough. I've seen that, and it wasn't a scorpion. Is it possible maybe this that's coming from the bottomless pit that John was describing as demonic spirits? Quite possibly it could be. Some have surmised that what John saw was a modern day helicopter's coming. No way else to describe it. Assuming that the sting in their tail was nerve gas or missiles or something like that. But there's two things if I may share that concern me uh, about this. And is that they came from the bottomless pit. And so if you start, if you start allegorizing that, you've got to allegorize the bottomless pit. It's got to stand for something. And for another thing, it would be hard for an army of helicopters not to hurt the grass and the trees and green things in the process of hurting mankind. Do you understand the thought process here? Revelation chapter 9, let's move on. We're doing all right. Revelation 9 because we broke this in half. Revelation 9, verse number 5. The Bible says, And to them it was given that they should not kill them. This is still speaking of these locusts, these grotesque characters, whether they're demonic spirits or whatever they are, real locusts. To them it was given that they should not kill them, not to kill mankind, but that they should be tormented five months. And their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. And in those days shall men seek death and shall not find it, shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. Folks, let me tell you, I do not want to be here. I have no desire to be here. Number one, whenever they come with their vengeance, they are not here to kill mankind in the fifth trumpet. They're to torment mankind. And this is probably the only place we see in the trumpet that there is a designated time frame set to a trumpet. This is to happen and occur for five months. Sting you once, sting you twice, sting you whatever. The effects, the pain, the agony, the torment that is all associated with that. It can happen as many times as you want to. And here's the thing. People's going to wish they could die, may even attempt death, but they won't be able to die. If I may just throw in there what they're tasting is just a little bit of what the hell they're going to go to is going to feel like. Wanting to die, but not being able to die. Where the fire is not quenched and where the worm dieth not, the Bible speaks of. What is God doing all this? He's still trying to give people that are alive some type of wake-up call in their mind. Listen, listen, listen. Something's going on. What's happening with all this? I would not want to be seeking death because of torment. You're not going to kill me, but you're going to torment me. For five months, I can seek death, but I will not find it. And so their purpose from the bottomless pit is to torment. Let me, and on the note, if they are demonic things, listen, we see through scriptures people that were tormented by demonic spirits. The Bible with the man that had his son that, that, that was tormented by demonic spirits says sometimes he throws himself in the fire, sometimes in the water. Even the foaming of the mouth seemed to be in all of that as well. There were tormenting spirits, amen, that was taking place. But here they will not be able, the people will not be able to die. Folks, I want to make my 
calling an election? Sure, I do not want to have any part of that. If there's anything that some of these other stories and some of these other truths that we're speaking about that will come after the rapture of the church, if nothing more, let them be something else that persuades you toward heaven, persuades you toward Christ. I don't want any, any, any part of this. I don't want to be tortured for five months. Got enough of that here on earth. I know it's going to be a whole lot worse then, but I'm just saying, not allowed to kill them, just to torture them. Great men. Any, it doesn't matter how tough you are. You're going to wish that you could die and find death, but it's not going to happen. Interestingly, back to the locust similarity here. Interestingly, the time period for a normal, normal locust is from May to September, five months, which is the lifespan of a locust. Five months. Maybe that's some reasons why John is making these similar. It's, it's a locust because for five months there's going to be, you know, you never, what, I don't know what's going through John's mind. He hasn't talked to me lately. All right. He hasn't ever talked to me for that matter. But. So these, these locust type things, they had a king, the Bible says, in verse 11. I'm hastening to a close. I really am. We'll pick back up on this next week, though. These locust-type things had a king. In verse number 11, the scripture says, it says in the Hebrew tongue is the Badon, but in the Greek tongue it was Apollyon, which both of those mean destroyer. Their king was a destroyer, and it states plainly, the angel of the bottomless pit. Now here we go again. In some ways, there are similarities with the locusts. In other ways, they are not. Because the book of Proverbs, chapter 30 and verse 27, tells us the locusts have no king. Yet go they forth, all of them, by bands. In other words, you know, bees have a queen. They say locusts don't have a king. In other words, there's no one that orders their direction. Whenever you see the swarms, it's a mystery of nature. When you see the swarms, there is no one that takes command that orders that. They have no king. And here then, for these things that have the description of locusts and a whole lot of other descriptions, says they have a king. So you see there's comparisons and contrasts. And verse number 12, and I'll close with this if you'll go on and stand with me. Verse number 12 then tells us, one woe is past, because that's the fifth trumpet, and that there are two more woes hereafter, which would be the sixth and the seventh trumpet. Next week we'll look at the sixth trumpet We'll look at the last two verses of this chapter because really the last two verses of this chapter, I ask you, if you read nothing more, read that because it's a very, very somber reaction to what has happened already thus far. And then whenever we get to trumpet number seven, out of trumpet number seven are going to then come the seven vials and things are very concise, shuffle, boom, boom, boom. Boom. But before we ever get to the seven balls, we got some chapters of interludes we got to walk through, and that's where we're going to get bogged down. Glory be Jesus. Hallelujah. Let those hallelujahs roll. Amen. But we'll do it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.